Hey folks, welcome to episode 157 of the Becoming Human podcast. This episode features Harbert Egberts. He's a personal trainer and founder of Functional Heartbeats, a platform and community that offers rotational strength and conditioning, mace exercises, kettlebell exercises, and other forms of training protocols. You could learn more at functionalheartbeats.com. Harbert is a mace specialist. He traveled around the world to study with experts in the craft. He began traveling to India to document the culture and explore the cultural history of goddess, which is um, a name for uh, what we consider maces, and it originated from India. Gattas uh, are made of bamboo, and they usually have a stone, you know, made of concrete, at the end of the bamboo pole. The culture has been using it for three thousand years, and they were using it for strength in kushti wrestling, a specific kind of wrestling in India. The flowing Dutchman, he's got wonderful stories of riding his mountain bike across India, and one in particular was really adventurous. And we talk about it towards the end of the episode. You can watch his documentaries on his YouTube channel, The Flowing Dutchman. I'll leave a link to that in the show notes. And you can also check out uh, one of the videos on, on my website, becominghumanpodcast.com. I'm going to play you in with a sick song that Harbert uses in some of his Mace Flow videos by Blabbermouth called The Flowing Dutchman. You can check out his music on his website, blabbermouth.com. That's uh, mouth with an F. I put up a music video by him on my website. I love his music, and it was a cool way to be introduced to a new musician. Without any further ado, here's Harbor Egbert. Yeah, what? The flowing Dutchman, yeah, the flowing Dutchman I'm Mr. Babyman, I'll be the flowing Dutchman Yeah, shuffle on the production like this guy, like so, this guy. Well, I, I got introduced to you because uh, on uh, Instagram and YouTube, I ran into your beautiful mace flows. Um, mm. How long have you been swinging the mace for? It's got to be four and a half to five years. Wow. I think it's, yeah, around four and a half now, I think. Um, what got you into the swinging? YouTube. YouTube? Wow. Yeah, YouTube. I think I saw the first video was, yeah, it's got to be, I think, Rick Brown or Paul Taras Wakowinski. Either one of those two. Uh, there's like the, these old videos out there they made. And um, I got into the club bell before that. Um, so I also had a club bell already. The club bell? And I got... The club bell, yeah. You know the the short one. Oh, and the really heavy, right? Like steel. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Steel, steel club, club bell. Uh, so it's basically a short mace. Mm -hmm. So I got into that bot of a club bell that was way too heavy. So it was fifteen kilograms, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah. But I I was able to manage how to swing it. So it it wasn't you know I usually say go very low but I, I i i managed to do some swinging with it and i really got into it so i followed some people that were swinging the club bell 
Um, and I got into the club belt because I was already interested in the functional side of it. So I called my company Functional Heartbeats back in the day to emphasize the fact that I wanted to incorporate more functional training exercises instead of the basic strength training exercises. So more core work, more dynamic, more full body uh, exercises. So that got me into the club bell, which got me into the mace. And that was around the same time I started uh, the group classes. So I incorporated the mace uh, directly into the, the group classes and people really liked it. So I, sorry. Yeah. Was, uh, was there somebody that you were modeling yourself after locally or did you have like a mentor or were you the person no. <laughs> introducing that into your community? Yeah. Wow. No, it's still, it's, it's still, you know, there's still so relatively um, few people that actually know what it is and how to use it. <laughs> So there, w- there was a time when, when, when I started, there was, there was somebody, you know, in, in the UK, there was somebody in, in, uh, well, the United States had a few more people. It was a little bigger in the United States already, but in Europe, there was like one guy in Italy, one guy in the Netherlands, one guy in Germany. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the community was very, was very small. It was very tight. Um, all based around people trying to see what's possible with it and going for that. Uh, is that so in terms of functional training um what made you choose to to use these tools for functional training over other um other options if there are other options available well yeah i had the kettlebell the rib trainer the pose ball i had uh, i had different plyometric training styles um just if it was for me, I had to put everything in a bike cart. So I had to go outside. It, it, it didn't have to weigh too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there were a few limitations, but I wanted to be uh, as diverse and playful as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that kind of got me into the mace as well, because it's relatively light for, you know, if you go for kettlebells and <laughs> you want to drive them on your bike cart, uh, you, you have to do it with eight kilogram kettlebells or something. And otherwise the bike cart will... <laughs> it will break down for sure (laughs) and with the with the maces it's that you're you're putting the weight at the like long end of a lever right or you're putting the weight at the long end of a pole and that's just making it more challenging to be able to move the weight and there's different physics involved right yes exactly so the the weights are relatively small like most people start with a 10 pounder when i got here um most of the weight is actually not in the handles. The handle is hollow, so the weight is all the way in the back. And the way that works is that you have to manipulate uh, your technique to make sure that the weight moves from side to side. If you're trying to hold it at the end of the handle with the head away, so the globe away from you, it's almost impossible to hold. So it becomes from four kilogram, it becomes 40 kilogram. So like from 10, 10 pounds, it becomes 40 or 50 pounds if you're trying to hold it there. So you got to make use of that, um, that leverage. And once you start to get used to the making, uh, making it swing, getting better at the pendulum, you'll start to become closer to the fact that it's only four kilogram or 10 pounds. <laughs> so the more you learn that, the more you feel and the, the lighter you make it, basically. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. So you're, you're, you're using that weight leverage to swing it around the body. Mm-hmm. And uh, with a goal of what? Being smooth, I suppose? 
<laughs> yeah, it's all about smoothness. <laughs> no, no, of course not. Um, so where, where it comes from, you know, there's a lot happening. You're actually holding it in your hands. So for example, a kettlebell, you're also holding in your hands, but most of the things that you do with the kettlebell start from the bottom up. And this starts from the top. So that means your whole body has to be grounded and centered before you even attempt to swing it. Otherwise your hips will go away because of the weight that's bouncing around the body. So you have to stabilize the whole body. So the core has to work, you know, you're, you have to get your stabilizers uh, on point and on target yeah. to be able to swing uh, something around your body like that. Mm-hmm. And, and then it's so interesting. Cause I didn't, I never realized coming from like a sedentary background in my youth mm. um, that there was so much to learn about the body. Mm. Um, and that there was even so much depth, you know, like, cause you say you have to stabilize the body and you, mm. when I, in my youth, I would always visualize like, or you squeeze and like, that's kind of all there is <laughs> to it. And it's like, there's like, you, squeeze you have your hips. Yeah. You have the relationship though, between like, you know, your hips, your feet, your, uh, what mm. your lower body's doing in relationship to your upper body and whether that's like connected or not. And one thing that I had was when I was a kid, um, just with my dumb interests, it was like, I wanted to know how to dance and like how to move my hips. And I wasn't able to, to move my, my hips while keeping my feet in place. And I realized that the, the skill to be able to like move separate parts of your body independent of the others is actually like really challenging, just like juggling is for everyone. But there's like all these different body control things that we can do. That's just as challenging as juggling, if not way more challenging than that. Right. Yeah, that actually, that is very applicable to the mace. So what you have to do with the mace is you have to, because you're moving from the shoulder. So I said, we're, we're moving from the upper body, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so you have to stabilize from underneath. But what you're actually doing is you're, you're uh, using your right shoulder, your left shoulder, your right arm, your left arm. And you also start to use them individually. You move both sides. You have to use both sides and then also switch to the other hand and use both sides. So the mace is always out of balance. So you're always forced to use one side more than the other. So for example, if you hold a kettlebell in a rack position, so for the people that are listening, just hold it on one side. And the kettlebell, if you're not using your core, the kettlebell will pull you to one side. So you have to balance. Now, kettlebell is just kettlebell. If you have a mace and you hold it the same way, for example, shoulder level with the globe all the way around, your body wants to move like this, right? Mm -hmm. So you have to stabilize and control it. And in that way, you're training your coordination as well mm. and how to use the stabilizers in the body mm-hmm. uh, and the thing i do with flow for example is is so much about coordination as well so you said the juggling i do that with kettlebells too like the the flipping of the kettlebell mm-hmm. you actually learn how to see and then catch throw away catch move around catch and even with, with that, I, I had realized that, you know, um, that speaks to your relationship with your hand and your understanding the spatial awareness with your hand is because it's like such a high level to to throw the kettlebell up and then to be able to mm-hmm. snatch that handle away. And you yep. realize that a lot of it, it's like conscious, but there's a level where you're, you're using feel to do it. Yep. Um, yeah. And, 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 and you're. You're using spatial awareness in your hand, but you're also using spatial awareness in around you. So 
the moment you throw a kettlebell, you pivot and you know where the kettlebell is coming, then swing it and then pivot again. You'll have to be aware of where the kettlebell is and especially after you throw it. So there are exercises, for example, when you throw it and you catch it behind your back. <laughs> that is like the upper limit. Yeah, <laughs> That is like the upper limit of that you actually have to be aware of where you're catching it, where the handle is, where the kettlebell is, where your hand is. And then it's also moving from right to left. Sounds very complicated. But that's where I find it's um, that playful side of things come in because I realized that you could like make a, just the challenge alone of the, um, of pushing something, you know, or pulling something, but then you can make that mental challenge, right. To where if you're not going to increase the weight, you might um, put it at the end of a pole or you might start um, throwing it in more trickier variations so that you have to pay more attention to catch it. You know, like you do like a single kettlebell flip where it rotates once and catch the handle but you could increase the weight or with this this way of dynamic way of doing things you could uh do two flips before you catch it which uh, yeah you can increase yeah you can increase the difficulty so you you you're constant like if i if i go for like a kettlebell run or like a uh, session i just i just increasingly i am challenging myself so i make sure that my um my level of uh, awareness is at its highest to challenge myself. So that, that is what I also see in the, the, the flow state. It's, it's basically full focus with what you're doing. And that's also some of the benefits that aren't that... Um, for example, the Indian clubs where I use two clubs, right? I also swing from side to side and then using my left and right, just like with the mace, but then without switching, you have both hands. Now, if you do a swing with the right and then you stop and then you go for the left, for example, you're doing the same thing that drummers do. You're, you're, you're training your body to use the left or the foot and the hand separately from each other. Mm -hmm. So in that way, you're also stimulating the brain and you're creating new neural pathways, which is basically what keeps you young and sharp. <laughs> so you're not only training the body, you're also training the mind. And, and you could, you, if you're viewing it like it's a study or you're going to school, then it becomes boring. But this is actually playful. Like it's happening. If you think about it, it's happening. But in the moment, you're actually so doing what you're doing that it has that effect. And so the, when I was working with children, um, they had a really, would have a really difficult time wanting to do the schoolwork. I was working with emotionally and behaviorally delayed children. And if you're like, let's do math. It's like, I want to punch you. And like, or I want to, <laughs> you know, like throw rocks at you. And the, the relationship is always like, I want you to do work and they'd refuse to work and then try to, uh, try to find ways to hurt you to get out of the work. But what I found out was like, if you took away the specificity of general education, um, the ultimate thing that I was, that you'd hope for them is that to buy into the process of learning and the process of learning, like we'd go out and play games on recess and they're like, let's play tag or, you know, what games do you like to play? Will and, that was like, that was just learning in a different environment, right? Because there's always, they want to know new rules and they want to learn how to get good at the rules and get good at the terms of the game. But the consequence of almost every game is an adaptation, you know, over consistent training or consistent consistency. Um, yep. So what we would do is, is I would get them into running. 
because they'd get bored of the games and stuff. And some of them really like to run. And then I'd get them into um, throwing things and they weren't, you know, they weren't throwing rocks at me. This was all voluntary. They'd go and I try to get them to pick up big stones. And a lot of them were able to work through things that I didn't really understand that they were going through, you know, um, by, by engaging in this kind of play, right? And this kind of play, like this physical kinesthetic play was a way for them to be able to access some kind of learning for them so they could start buying into the process because it feels good, you know? Like ultimately you do this because you're compelled to one way or another. You're like, you're motivated for your own self, right? Um, Someone might introduce you to it and show you why it's a fun thing, but at the end of the day, that person has to be self-motivated. So what I found is, is like throwing a weight, you know, like juggling kettlebells, right. Or working, or mm. I found partner kettlebell passing two people and you talk. Oh, right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. And you're like, you're getting, you're getting stronger, you know, in the process and like you're having fun and you're engaged with people. Um, and then you want to do it. And I always see mm. that as the person who like wants to do that is that's the start of someone who's wanting to take on work and wanting to take on responsibility and effort. You know? And it's, it's hard Very to true. do those things through theory, but I think the, you know, exercise could be a way to teach that through experience. Definitely. Well, yeah, of course, there's a limit what you can teach through exercise, but you, you activate the same ways, you know, some people are just more, they need, like what I, what I found is when I'm uh, listening to audiobooks, for example, if I sit down, it, it's very difficult for me to concentrate on that. So I have to do something beside it. I have to cook, I have to bike. So there's like this additional thing that uh, kind of takes away some of the attention, which makes me able to focus full on the thing that I'm doing. Mm. Um, so it, it kind of, uh, sometimes I view it in that way that you're making it, uh, for example, with the mace or the kettlebell, you make it, just about as difficult as, as it can get. So you have to pay full attention to it. Mm-hmm. And in that process, you'll, there something happens, something changes. Is there a, so, Oh, go ahead. No, no. I was going to say, how do you, how do you know when it's just the right amount and it's not too difficult or too little? When you hit yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. I've been doing it right this whole time. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no jokes aside I, I almost never hit myself so um you know it's it's difficult if you're wanting to learn these types of things you probably be best to not start with the things that i'm doing right now mm-hmm. right so you start with the basics and you start to learn small improvements and these small incremental improvements they will get you to th- those small steps are enough mm-hmm. So if you go from a flip, for example, the kettlebell forwards, and then you you have mastered that one, well, if you do then 100 repetitions, it starts to become, you know, a little bit boring again. So then you can try to flip it the other way. And then if you can flip it the other way, you can change between those two. And if that becomes boring, you can change with a pivot. And, oh, yeah. and, not, to, and not to say that you can only do it until it becomes boring because I also like the training on time. I also like training on, um, on repetitions, Mm -hmm. but if you're like in this flow state where you're like, you know, that is, that is for me, that's the sweet spot. Mm -hmm. So, so how would I say this? 
do you have are those two things competing your um your intuition and like and how you feel energy levels your interests um is that competing with the the structure and the goals that you have um or even like timed repetitions sorry i do not so, do not so really. like you know when you go into a training plan you have a you have a schedule and you have an intention sometimes uh, right yeah and yeah. then you have how you feel so you have expectation mm. and you have how you feel do those things compete mm. in that you might set an expectation and not feel it or or are you pretty good at um are you pretty good at setting your goals in relation to how you feel for the day? Yeah. So the, so right now I'm putting a lot of the, like I, I, I usually create my workouts a day. I am actually doing them. Mm-hmm. So I know there's also a way to really structure and that, you know, like from a week before, you know, already what you're going to do, you know, there's something to both. There's something to feel at the moment, what you're capable of. For example, I use the aura ring, aura ring, yeah. you know, so I can, I can see what the, my readiness is for the day. Right. So, and that helps me. And I don't need the aura ring anymore because I kind of know when I don't feel, you know, super, super um, active. And when I do have a lot of energy, so oh, that's cool. in that way, in that way, I do kind of balance uh, my workouts in that way. Mm-hmm. So it's, I think that is, that is eventually ideal because you cannot know how you feel in two months. Mm-hmm. You don't, you don't know. That's um, I've had things where like I've been able to do certain yoga poses and um, mm. lift a certain size weight. And then I've been able to do that for a while and I felt like I'm progressing. And then all of a sudden I have a day where maybe my sleep wasn't so good or whatever, and I'm not able to do those things, but I have to lower my expectation and, and train for the sake of training, even though I'm not like feeling strong or feeling like I've achieved my goals. Mm-hmm. You know? Sometimes mm-hmm. I can't do a handstand again for a whole week because like it's not, it doesn't come as easy to me. And then there's that whole mental battle of expectation and self-worth. But I have to realize that it's not to achieve the thing. It's just here to enjoy, to, to move my body. And that's, that's the part that feels good. Yeah. So we don't always feel like working out, right? <laughs> Even I, (laughs) but sometimes, you know, it shifts when you start. No, I, I sometimes, um, I do not plan when I go to workout and then sometimes I just start to do some mobility out of nowhere. And then I'm listening to a podcast and I start to swing. And then before I know, I'm like, okay, I'm into working out right now. (laughs) (laughs) So I, I, I definitely know that there's, you know, this state where you can, be fully with but you know we also have you know we have the things we have to do throughout the day so you cannot always live on the on those terms yeah but uh, i do appreciate that yeah and that's where i found that there's that push and pull you know where it's like when mm. what do i feel like i can do and then what are the things that i need to get done and when's the time that i have to do it you know because I, exactly. I have my son and it's like sometimes i'm really too tired to get a workout in at the end of the day but reality is is like this is my only time now and I have to make the best of it and just meet myself where I am, you know? Yep. And, and if you're, if you're aiming for the 
perfect workout, you know, you have to start at some, some you have to start somewhere. You know, you're never, you're never at the perfect energy. You're never at the perfect time. You never, you have to start and then keep rolling. And then as you roll, you get, you get better step by step, step by step. And you start to, to learn what your body likes and not, and you have to get an injury before you know how to bounce off from an injury. So you have to, in life, you have to try and then fail and then try again and then fail and try again and fail with everything. So also with working out, it's just pretty definitely nice. if you're, Definitely with working out, for example, if you already have a very busy, busy schedule, it's difficult to incorporate that. So it's, it's much easier if you've already done workouts for like four or five years before you get into the position where you have a child, where you have, you know, a lot of responsibilities for work, where you have to manage your schedule, because then you'll be easier to know what to do. Right. Mm -hmm. There's something that I find interesting about what you talked about with the, the mace and kettlebells and spatial awareness is that um, when you practice in that way, you get to um, you get to learn, learn how to work within that, that space. And you can repeat the same thing, like a kettlebell flip, you know, or throwing it behind your back and you can get consistency so you can adapt to it. But in sports, um, there's this, like, there's a lot of phenomenal movement or, um, movement that doesn't happen all the time, but happens some of the time and maybe to a really high intensity that you haven't, you're not accustomed to. So you can get, mm. you can get injured in some way. Cause I see like, you know, in um, jujitsu, like, you know, grappling, for instance, you do a lot of things maybe that your body isn't accustomed to. And people seem to get really hurt doing things that I've seen people, um, train in you know to be able mm. to handle those kinds of loads but then i see these this general audience in martial arts getting injuries in training with similar body movements and stuff and it i often thought oh the body's really fragile and then i over the years i start looking at um really the body's fragile if maybe if it hasn't adapted to those kinds of movements or it hasn't been incrementally subjected to that stress so that it can learn to handle it. Does that make any sense to you or? Yeah. It's one of the reasons why you need to incorporate rotational strength in your workouts. Like for example, CrossFit, the basic strength workouts, it's always straight line. Like it's always your body's in front and the weight is in front of you and you're moving in one line. Now the mo the moment you start to rotate the upper body and the spine, you also start to strengthen those twist muscles. So what happens a lot with people that only work out in a certain way and they get really strong with, for example, a deadlift, but the deadlift is, is with a straight back. So if you then lift something and you twist while you're lifting it, your body isn't used to that. Mm. So your body isn't used to carrying such a big load. So th those are the positions that you be able to injure yourself. So in the same way, if you want to strengthen your ankles, it's best to just walk on the sides of your ankles and the insides of the ankles, because then you are strengthening your ankles and you're basically letting your body adapt to those uncomfortable and strange positions. So you'll be less vulnerable to injure yourself. 
and that's so cool because that's the road that I went down when I start when I rolled my ankles a few times as I was you know doing trail running, and mm. I started to to get into a lot of a lot of research and you know physical therapy and stuff like that, and it came, right. I came to that conclusion where you know I could put my body in these places where there's vulnerability and weakness, and I can incrementally strengthen them by subjecting them to consistent you know stress. You know, by if I roll my ankles and it's rolling to the outside, well, I could start doing some training to where I start, you know, adding weight and um, to in, tra- in training and strength on the outside of my ankles and then on the inside of my ankles. And it became like running almost became uh, a way to a reason to study my body, you know, and not because I had like a, a PE teacher telling me this is what I needed to do. I was very curious and getting to know myself. And it's interesting because you could almost, you could do that uh, by yourself in a lot of ways in the sense that, you know, it's your body and through training and putting it through these relative extremes, um, you can get to know what you're capable of and watch yourself improve over time or not and learn why, but (laughs) (laughs) that's the beauty of movement, right? It is a beautiful, beautiful thing. We all have, everybody's now listening, you know, you're listening through the ears, but we all have a body. So we are all able to do what we are able to do. We can all move. We all have feet. We all have fingers, we all have fingers, we all have (laughs) toes. So it works the same way. So we can all, have this experience where you go deeper and explore about um, where your weaknesses are, where you have strengths, where you can work on those points. And it's, uh, you know, it's, it's time consuming for somebody who doesn't, who doesn't has a habit of doing it. Mm-hmm. Like for me, it's very, very normal. Like for me, it's very normal to start rotating my neck if I feel something is tightened up, but that's only because I've untightened it. <laughs> yeah <laughs> if you if you have a tight neck you don't feel it mm-hmm. because you have a tight neck otherwise you if you if you would feel all the time that you had a tight neck uh everybody would do mobility exercises but your body is 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 works in the way that it makes it opens um no it closes the pass no no i'm, I'm saying this incorrectly um your body makes unconscious what's not necessary. So it wants to, to have as much things in the unconscious as possible. Mm-hmm. So a tight neck wouldn't be, wouldn't be advisable to have that every day in your consciousness. So it just goes on the back. Now, the moment you start to do it and you start to open it up, then you bring it back into the conscious. So that is a way, and that is something in in everything, in every aspect that you want to change about your body or your mind, you always have to draw it from the unconscious to the conscious. And then you have a way to play with it and maybe change it and put it back in the backpack of the yeah. unconscious. Because <laughs> you only could have so many things rattling around in the conscious mind at a, at a time, right? And yeah, it's it's like the RAM uh, memory of your computer, right? It has a, <laughs> It's a very, very small part. And the funny thing is, is everyone can do uh, an experiment now, which is like, it's your nose. Your your nose is always in your your field of view. Yeah. You can't see your nose because your conscious mind completely blocks it out because it's irrelevant information. And that's Mm. like, that was something that tripped me out when I was a kid so much. But you're right. That's indicative of something at a grander scale. And even breathing, you know, 
there's so many things like breathing and, and then the physical is, is a big part of them. Um, there's the uh, people breathing out of their mouths instead of their nose, breathing at different rates. And um, then to take it from the physical body, there's the whole emotional component to all of those things as well. You know, um, and in terms of like another example of this that goes beyond exercise is somebody who has some kind of phobia. And generally um, what's used is, is exposure therapy. And I would argue exposure therapy is the psychological um, the psychological process of exercise but embodied in the mind. Because if you're afraid of water, exposure therapy will mm -hmm. incrementally introduce you to water so that you're not, you know, have a phobia of water over time. And they do the same thing. You're afraid of elevators. They show you pictures of elevators. And then over time, you look at the pictures of elevators and they become desensitized to them. And they incrementally expose them to elevators until one day they ride in an elevator. And then like, you know, people have individually, it, it's the, they have their own process. Some people would take longer than others to get over their fear of elevators. But the process though, is generally the same. And you find it with exercise as well, where, you know, even some people have injuries barring surgery, I, I, th I think, of course, and they can uh, experience, experience and work through their injuries, um, to learn more about their body. And there's a lot of theory, but the reality is, is ex experiencing it seems to be the most important thing. No well, theory is based on experience, right? Yeah. But school though so, is, I would say that like through physical education, like in my, mm -hmm. at least in the United States, most of that was taught theoretically and, um, it, sure, sure, but it, it got there theoretically for it before you know it, yeah. it, it, the the theory didn't just came out of nothing like but, it's based upon something. But what you're doing though is in like other people who have like physical recreation, I would say, and is doing physical mm -hmm. education for adults. Um, you guys mm -hmm. are teaching through experience because that's what people are paying for. And that's why people mm. are coming there is to have an experience. And that's what I'm saying is, mm. is that experience is really important. And so is theory, but at least in my country, it's really heavy handed in theory and getting really light on experience, at least as it mm. in youth and children and how we teach them and stuff. I mean, a lot of adults, like you're playing with your students, you know, and a lot of adults don't like uh, when my son and I do things, like uh, sometimes we're beginners together and like, you know, I'm swinging the mace cause I want to swing the mace and he's swinging the mace cause he wants to swing the mace. Not right. cause like I'm some guy who instructs him and tells him all this theory and oh, I don't swing maces. Mm. You, do you know what I mean by that? Yeah. Yeah. That's cool, man. That you're yeah. learning your son how to swing mace. Yeah. It's, it's been fun. They love, uh, he likes Fortnite and so does his friends. So they're always like, we're right. swinging pickaxes. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're swinging pickaxes. <laughs> 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 right. Right. But, yeah. It's so cool. Good. Yeah. It's, it's fun because, uh, it's actually really hard to teach my son self-worth. Um, mm. because I could do the, the thing where I explain it away. Um, through theory but when he is able to pick up like a, a seven pound mace and he's able to just hold it uh, horizontally in both of his hands that's pretty you know easy but then if mm. he holds it at the very end of the handle with the ball you know at the top and he's balancing 
the ball over his hand. The minute he can get to 10 seconds with that, he feels uh, very good about himself. And he has Mm. a moment of self-worth and self-satisfaction that he's always good enough. And he's always, you know, a great person to be around in that sense. Like he's a, I I love him. Um, But when you do that, you have this moment of like, however you feel about yourself. um, I don't know if I could like give that to someone. Hmm. I would, if I could. Well, we're, we're all designed to evolve, right? Mm -hmm. So if we're not evolving, we're, we're basically dying. Mm. So, to, but you know, children, they, um, what they do is they incrementally learn and they, they do that like without you teaching it. So mm-hmm. if you set up a, a challenge too big, they, they probably won't make it, yeah. but they need a little challenge because then they feel that they have actually learned something and accomplished something, which makes them better at the thing, the next thing. And we are still the same. Like we're still doing that. And uh, when it's through play, I think it's a really beautiful thing, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And you can get serious things done through play though. Right. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Having fun, having, having sweaty fun. Yeah. Cause um, that's the Mesa seemed interesting to me because from the, from a person who looks at like lifting, you know, the the heaviest weight that you could imagine, right? Like you go to your mm. 80% and what that looks like when you're giving it your full effort doesn't necessarily look the same as when you're like giving your full effort, swinging clubs or swinging a mace or s- s- flowing with a kettlebell, you know, if you're not doing super heavy mm. kettle, but mm-hmm. it's, it is, it's hard and you could be putting that effort, but from the outside point of view, it doesn't look the same thing. And some people might even scoff at that because it doesn't feel the same, but then I'd argue that you're working up here and that has as much value as your, your, your physical body. So you're talking about the, the amount of weight that you're moving around and the kind of feeling of effort you have when you're, when you're moving around like um, technically harder tools Mm -hmm as opposed right. to like uh, just straight statically harder things like really heavy shit. Yeah. If you oppose it to that, yeah, sure. It, it does feel different. But if you, um, if you compare it to like more conditioning exercises where you have more repetitions, for example, rowing, mm-hmm. you're doing uh, like in a standard uh, workout, you're doing so many repetitions without rest. That's also a different feeling, right? Mm. I have to, and I have the same thing with uh, if I'm swinging a light mace or Indian clubs for that example, they're only one kilogram, maybe even lighter. You'll start to have that burn in the shoulders that just increasingly becomes more, mm-hmm. uh, which is very nice, good feeling yeah, because it, it actually means you're using them. And uh, well, if you're, if you're rowing, you, you're doing only one stroke, you know, <laughs> <laughs> that's not really efficient yeah right so um it might be not the best thing to really compare it to although if you go really heavy so if you go for a really heavy mace and then start to flow then you'll be gone in a minute or two yeah which is the same thing with you know if you're going if you're going for a deadlift about a minute or two with a weight where you'll be totally exhausted you'll have about the same feeling Mm-hmm. But less, less, maybe less 
specialized on one particular muscle. Yeah. But in general, the, the total amount of the total effect on your uh, nervous system is could be the, the same. Oh, the same. Okay. But I, 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 of course, I haven't done the studies on that, but mm -hmm. that's just how it feels feels to me. Yeah, there's uh, I just noticed different kind. there's different kinds of exercises that that make me feel certain ways, like lifting really mm. heavy with low reps, um, lifting not as heavy, high reps, you know, and, you know, even even yoga, doing things that are like a fast intensity for mm -hmm. a short amount of time or a mm -hmm. lower intensity for a longer amount of time. You know, even running is the same way for me as well, because I could I can go and run. But there's like some very distinct kinds of running experiences I can have, you know, and it's the same thing with lifting weights. I feel lifting, like I said, lifting heavy um, for a short amount of times, running really fast for a short amount of time, et cetera. Do you, do you feel the same way in that you um, you get to know different parts of yourself um, through doing higher, lower intensity exercises? Mm. I wouldn't say if I get to know myself in a different way through it, mm -hmm. but I definitely need my heavy workout, heavy, heavy deadlifts, heavy squat, and just like, yeah, just letting letting out that energy. And I have the same thing if I go with a very heavy mace mm -hmm. or a very heavy kettlebell. You know, there comes this energy up that is very, you know, something needs to go out of my system and it just, it just goes out. Yeah. Like yeah. a loud roar. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally, totally embodied it. And sometimes I just pick up a light mace and I just put on um, a nice song and just, yes. you know, and just, just be creative and start to feel and, you know, and those are different. It's a different thing. It's not, it's not the one is better than the other. It's just, it's, you know, it's a, it's a different way of moving the body. That's what and I, for, is that when you move, when you move the body, you, you, you get, it's a, it's not just a different way of moving your body, but moving your body in that way, you are, um, you're engaging with a particular part of yourself. Cause like, you know, you say mm -hmm. with one, it's like this, like big loud, like, you know, energy, like this scream, right. This big mm -hmm. roar. Whereas the other one is like this really relaxed, kind of kind of flow and i imagine that the more that you do that the more you're familiar with how you feel how you think and your energy levels you know yeah and and like like where we started as well you 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 there's not just there's more ways than just to look at it as if it were building muscle, building conditioning, right? There's also the balance aspect. There's the, the awareness aspect. There's the coordination aspect. There's the, uh, the core aspect, you know, the, the, the stabilization as, you know, the, all these, these things work and the neural, you know, the, the amount that your head is involved with it. Mm -hmm. So those things work very differently. If you go, for example, for a flow, then you just increase the other parts of it. Well, if you're lifting very heavy weights, you know, most of the coordination and um, balance and out, out of balance-ness, <laughs> it's, mm -hmm. it's, not, it's not an actual word, <laughs> that, is already, <laughs> that is already put into place because you're doing that uh, same movement. Mm. 
that makes sense. So you're not you're not challenging yourself on those aspects. If you're going for a, a PR in your deadlift, you're not challenging your hand eye coordination because you're definitely not going to hold it differently, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because otherwise you won't be able to lift it. Mm -hmm. So it's just a different it's just a different approach, different way of looking, you know, at movement. Mm -hmm. But I, I'd say one is not a superior to the other. It's just you know, It's different. And some people, uh, I, I feel I need both. And maybe everybody needs both, but some people really need a lot of energy out. So they really always need to ground, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And maybe and maybe that will change when they get older as well. Mm -hmm. It's It could also be a part of how of your hormones, like, or the, the phase in your life. Those those things are, those, those fluctuate. And that's what's beautiful to me is that there's this way to um, to express yourself um, and to practice based on, you know, your who you are. So there's a little mm. bit of um, self-exploration to be had. And, you know, you get to act different parts of yourself out and you have the freedom to choose between these things. Um, I've had that my own experience and exercise because I was that where it's like I'm going to do. The, as hard as I can and um, in the movements that I know really well. And um, I didn't realize that there was like the whole, you know, in yoga and maces and there was ways to, to exercise without, with going into flow. And that, that is not someone who is not um, l like lazy or, um, or, Like, yeah, I guess laziness, because I was used mm. to attribute like, you know, when you do exercise, this might come from my martial arts background, though, that mm. you're going in there for full effort, you know, and that if you're not doing something that, you know, is very challenging and very hard, then it's not exercise. And that's got to my thing where I learning about all these flows and stuff and like learning about the maces, really, to be honest, learning about Indian clubs. That was a huge one for me. And mm. I realized that there was way more to exercise than that. And that I'm buying into this, not because I want to get strong. It's like, I want to, I want to be in my body, you know, and I want to, I want to play and I want to play on the days that I might mm. feel a little more tired. And I found out that when you, when I do play in the flow that you're right, it engages parts of myself that I wasn't really aware of. And perhaps I was using mm. in like jujitsu or, you know, in lifting but um, I wasn't deeply familiar with. And like, I even found when I would do um, like martial arts, I, I was always really awkward with my movements. So, you know, like even trying to do takedowns and stuff and just move my body, I would like mechanically um, remember different moves in martial arts. And when I take away all of the specific martial arts technique and focus just on the movement alone and how I move mm. my body, like my arms in relationship to my legs and stuff like that. It's, um, that's like, that's all that I focus on with, you know, with the maces and with the Indian clubs. And I feel like that makes it really simple so that I can focus on my quality of movement, which carries over into my sports. You know, and I wouldn't, and I never got that off of my, like, lift as heavy as I can, 80% max. Because mm. of what you said, like, everything had to be, I couldn't focus on the quality of my movement because I was trying to lift the heaviest weight. So rather mm. than lifting the heaviest weight, 
I, you know, I, I didn't say you, I didn't say you have to oh. not focus on the quality of the movement. Yeah. I said that you're, you're solely focusing on the strength on or the conditioning strength. part of it. So of course your deadlift has to be, you know, qualitative, Yeah, but it's, it, you're focusing less on the other aspects that also could be uh, addressed in movement. But if you take away the weight, then you have more, more mental space to focus on uh, improving other things, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. definitely. How much of your, um, how much do you spend in your physical training on maces and other rotational um, tools like Indian clubs and club bells compared to uh, doing like, you know, barbell lifts or body weight fitness? Mm, I'd say it's about, mm, it, it really depends. <laughs> it depends. It does. But I, I, I think it's more, I'm picking up clubs and maces more than I pick up barbells or doing like uh, regular workouts, but I train quite a bit. So I, I've been doing that even before I was, and getting into the the maces and kettlebells. I was already strength training and I've made it part of my habit to work out every day. So I've been working out every day for like, I don't know, seven, eight, eight years now. And sometimes I, I, I do take breaks, but not more than one or two days. I think I've never actually, maybe three days is the max. <laughs> so the I, I've, I'm very consistent in that. And I've also had um, some... Uh, elbow issues on my right side, which, you know, so I have to be careful. And there was a point where I was only doing grip stuff. I liked the grip part so much <laughs> that I was doing like even some, some, some uh, specific climbing stuff where you have to hold for pull-ups on those climbing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I was combining that with club bells, with kettlebells, with maces, <laughs> and <laughs> that, that's just too much. So I had to, I had to let go of, you know, um, I had to find ways to train, but not use my grip all the time. Mm -hmm. So that is definitely part of balancing. Like I feel with the intention that the, the way I train, that it wouldn't be very uh, good for me to train every day hard with a mace right now, because I would just, and I think that that is, mm, no, I wouldn't say that, <laughs> but there are many, you know, if you push too much without having the recovery side on it, like without using mobility for your forearms and making sure you're not getting tighter and tighter, it's difficult to maintain such a heavy training load without getting injured. And that's something that I was having, a, I keep brushing up against because like I, I very, I value longevity personally. And, um, long, usually for, for me on a personal, it's longevity over performance and, um, in martial arts and in rock climbing, I would see such a high, I don't know if this is why, but I'd see such a high specialization that like knees not working anymore, not being able to fully squat. I have a friend in rock climbing. He can't like fully extend his arm out all the way, but he's oh, like yeah. a really good rock climber. And, you know, oftentimes it's like, yeah, I should have done this training or yeah, I was going to do yoga or yeah, I was going to do PT or whatever. And that's what I'm, 
terrified of in some fashion, not, or maybe not terrified is the right word. I, um, I didn't want that quality of life. And I wanted to learn about a different way to go about um, fitness and then recreation where for longevity, but also I thought that something was off in that our, our bodies didn't seem like we're not that fragile, man. Like, I don't, I don't get like, or at least I hope not. And <laughs> I see people who do the same things, but maybe with a different process without mm. all of the injury. Um, and it's not to say that they don't get injured over their career. It's just their mm. quality of life and their ability to, you know, longevity is really high. Um, and there, yeah, so the, the more, the more you push your workout, the more you push, you have to push your recovery. So yeah. for me, I prior, I prior, I prioritize uh, sleep. I prior, prioritize my diet. I prioritize um, meditation. I prioritize movement and I prioritize recovery as well. So those aspects, you know, need to be in place and in balance. So the more you, you, you work out and the heavier you lift, the more you have to work on the other side as well. And that balance is pretty difficult. Have you, has there been anything that, that has been very impacting to you that's helped you model that balance? Mm. Getting a stable sleep pattern and also learning more about when we say this i'm quite of a monkey mind so it that 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 gets me at night sometimes it, it used to get me a lot so i've, I've quieted that i've learned some 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 ways to become a little bit more soft and to have a little bit more um, time for myself, no, a little bit more ease. Mm -hmm. So that, that makes me fall asleep a little easier. It makes me fall back to sleep a little easier, which makes it a lot easier because I, I, I wasn't a good sleeper and still I'm not that good of a sleeper. It's getting better. Do you, do you take any kind of um, therapeutics or any kind of drugs to be able to cope with the sleep? Or is no. it all in your mind? No, no, I, 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 it doesn't have to do with drugs. Like I, I sometimes use melatonin, uh, like the, the, the one that, that uh, goes on for like seven or eight hours, especially if I have like a jet lag, just to get straight back into my sleeping pattern as fast as possible, because that is the best, <laughs> best option always. <laughs> So I do that sometimes, but only, only when I really need it. And for the rest, I try to minimize coffee. I try to minimize, like <laughs> I do, I do want to, to, to balance my energy flows mm -hmm. and, and I'm very uh, aware of how that is going on. So if I sleep bad for like a couple of nights, I, I probably should change something. So being, being on top of that really helps you know the the ring really helped just getting me more conscious of the, my heart rate my um how much deep sleep i got how much rem, rem sleep i got 
the but you're calibrating it so that you can use your own internal metrics it sounds like because you you said that you know you're getting to the point now to where you're able to to into it or like you know know within yourself whether whether you are have the good quality of sleep or not and i think that's a beautiful thing by the way because the thing that sometimes you you might see is is people externalizing how they feel on Mm. into data and then instead of looking looking within and trying to um translate how they feel right they might look outside at the data to infer how they feel and regardless of how they feel, the data might actually influence how they feel more than their, their own internal systems. But I think that that's not a bad thing about technology because I think that's what you do with Maces because you take a student and like, Oh, I don't know how to do this. And you're like, you do all these very specific forms and flows. Mm -hmm. And then when they achieve some level of understanding and awareness way down the line, then they can start looking at the flows and stuff that answer their weaknesses and their curiosity and all that other crap. Yeah, eventually the goal is to to bring them on the same path as me, right? To 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 make it something they do without having to use me. And they want to do it. In your technology. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, would, yeah. I would argue. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, could be. Could be. You know, there's um if somebody buys a mason and tries it for itself just by looking at videos, they'll they'll be uh, they'll take a lot longer than when I, I just have to say a few things and then they feel it. And I tend them to the fact that they're feeling it and that makes all the difference. Mm-hmm. So that can speed up the learning process. And that is where I find my, um, my value as a coach. And I would argue the same could be said for technology in that um, just like this, right? You could understand when you don't get good quality of sleep or not, you can always know what your heart rate is and all of these things. But if you can calibrate it to hard data that, and you're able to see what it really is, and then you can start dialing in your systems to that over time. And you get to cut this huge learning curve out. Um, But yeah, there, there, there's always a there's always this tendency with technology to fall into the pattern of only using and usurping the technology. You have to stay in contact with your body, and it's it's only it's only it's just like having a relationship. It's a mirror, right? It reflects something, and the fact that it reflects something doesn't make you change it. It gives you an opportunity to change something to make the reflection different. If that makes sense. Isn't that what exercise is too, though? Is a mirror in your physical body? Could be, yeah. And, you know, you can change it through what? Incremental training? And some things you can't. Yeah. And then, like, it's interesting because in exercises, if you're one of those people who come to the the thing that you can't change or the thing that's not changing despite your consistent practice over just a month, mm. maybe, then you have to deal with the, the distinction between the things you can and cannot control, which is hard, at least for me. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's a tough one, man. You know, uh, life, life, you know, we're, we're limited creatures. Mm-hmm. 
we 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 all have been born we all die there's things that we can do there's we have to sleep you know there's there's a limited amount of actual conscious change that we can do and change that we can differ from other people but that small amount that that makes us you know unique from each other so that way we're all different and that's where exercise and you can get a room of people together you know you Mm. can see that embodied at least in one of the many ways it's embodied in the physical space i see that in jujitsu man you grapple Mm. with people and you have to you don't just grapple with them and having sparring you're also individually Mm. grappling with your own inadequacies and strengths at once ah i'm fat and overweight i'm skinny and everyone could squash me ah i can't bend over you know what i mean like all of these things and you get to confront it in that reality together um over the goal of play and having a good time Mm. And self-improvement too, right? All the time. Like the moment you learn a technique, uh, it's difficult. Like the moment you learn how to be more positive, it's difficult to feel negative because you know a technique about how to feel positive. (laughs) (laughs) So you're always always confronted with the ego. You're always, it always comes back one way or the other. So eventually you have to be more, a little bit more soft with yourself and appreciate the process. Yeah. Um, What... What made you go and travel to to India and do your documentaries over there? What inspired So you? I think the first thing that inspired me was the videos that I saw from Paul Taras Wokowinski. He 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 went to India, I think two or three years before I went. <laughs> Maybe he went one or two times, I'm not sure. He went later again. Um that I saw those videos. It wasn't necessarily the my intention to directly go, but I saw them. So then what happened is that me and my girlfriend wanted to go on a trip for three months. She really wanted to go to Nepal and do, uh, we did a hike of three weeks there in the Himalayan area. Yeah, it was really, really, yeah, it was really cool. So then we were thinking, okay, that we're going to do that for a month. What we're going to do next? And I was looking at the map and I saw like Nepal and then I saw India. And I was like, tick, 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 tick. (laughs) You know, I was using the, (laughs) yeah, things, things like, oh, I was using the maze for only, you know, eight months or something before I, 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 I I went there eventually, or before I, I, we started to have that idea. So the goal wasn't to to look up all these akaras. My first trip, we actually ended up in Varanasi on the first city there because we we moved through the border, and so the first and that's actually where we bought our bike. So uh, so motorbike. Mm-hmm. So I have a Royal, Royal Enfield in India, um, and because of that bike, I actually came back. So in Varanasi, we did we did find a few akaras and. When we we went all the way to the south with this motorbike, whoa! And yeah, <laughs> yeah. And the, and the and the motorbike was really you know it wasn't a good one. We we were totally robbed. No way! Um, so, really? Yeah, yeah. Down and like, stuff, or yeah, a lot of we we in in two months we had four new pistons. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes. Was it yes. hard to get it all fixed and stuff like that? Or mechanics easy to find there? The mechanics are easy to find, but sometimes we had to be a week somewhere because of the bike. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. We even we even had a spark plug 
flying out of the like exploding out of the engine. Oh my god! That that could have blown up the whole bike while oh. we're driving because if the spark plug reverses and goes into the tank, it like. Oh my gosh! <laughs> you guys must have been terrifying. <laughs> well, after we heard that, that was would have been a possibility, yeah, but <laughs> that it already happened. So uh, yeah, that was after they they changed one of the heads with and had from another bike because they said, Oh, this one is good. And you will just change it. And they put on a different one. And then there was like making this sound, like this air sound. We said, what is that? Oh, that's a small, uh, you know, a thread issue, but it's not a problem. Just go. (laughs) (laughs) You'll be fine. You'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah. So that is basically the, so yeah, that's a whole nother story about the bike, but um, eventually we, the 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 process of selling it was a little bit too difficult and it would would have taken us um, a lot of time because we invested a lot of like time and money into the bike already so i was like mm-hmm. it's it's almost a shame to sell it now it's got all the history so that's, yeah so that's when i decided okay i'll come back you know next year and people seem to like uh, some of my posts on instagram too so i i had this this vision then that it it you know i i probably come back sometime and then I came back the second year and decided to take on the documenting a little bit more serious, but I was still kind of clueless if I look back to it. And uh, that eventually got me to make a few documentaries on the Akaras. And then eventually someone from Kushti Kedavana, they, they messaged me two days before I left India. Hey, we're in Delhi. You want to meet up? We saw your documentary and they, they're like a pretty big platform in, in YouTube and Instagram. So I was like, I'll be in Delhi tomorrow because I have to fly the day after. Mm-hmm. So that's when we made that documentary and that one actually went viral on YouTube. So that actually wow. changed my perspective. That's changed my perspective because I came there to show Western people how, what the history was of the maze, but then a video of mine went viral in India. So the Indians like the video and that was kind of an effect that I didn't, I didn't, yeah, you didn't expect. I didn't, I, I didn't expect and I wasn't gearing towards that at all. So that, 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 um, because I was just, I was like, I was on Instagram and just wanted to show, you know, people like, Hey, this is uh, where the maze comes from. And, uh, uh, look at this. And, uh, here's, here's, I bring my, my Western maze with me and I show them to Indian people and look how, how much fun this is. Cause and then, for Western culture, it's like, you know, people are rediscovering it. Right. And, um, and India is, is the place to where it was, it was born. Right. Well, yeah, the, the, where it exactly is born, it's like, from what I know now, it's, it's born in the time where Asia was a lot larger than it is right now. So when Persia and India were like one country. Mm-hmm. So some people say, yeah, it came from Persia into India, was introduced in India. And other people say, no, it was one country. It was one region before it even when it got introduced. So it's somewhere around the region of Iran and India where all these things happen. And the same thing where the martial arts were happening. So all the Shalowin stuff, you know, it all comes from those those areas. And a lot of the the movements we do now, like are that are very um modern, you know, very, very 
futuristic, they have their roots in these old traditions. And that's that's really cool to discover. And there's so much to discover in India. And and so you're so you're coming into like as a as a culture from the outside of India, people are like uh, rediscovering these things and you go and ha- are having these trips into India um, and your video goes viral and it's about the goddess, right? Um, the one that, that, that one, that one, that one was actually not about the goddess. That one was about a, um, a drink uh, and a, a badam ragda. It was, um, it's a power drink that wrestlers, so the Gada is used by wrestlers in India. So I went to the Kushti world. So I did some wrestling as well. And I looked Ooh. up the Gadas, which were, um, the Gadas were always, well, sometimes they were present at the Akaras where they also wrestled. You know, in some of the Akaras in Varanasi only do swinging style motions, but it used to be that there were always wrestling exercises that people did but now it also has become a little bit of a sport where actually people go very heavy in weight. Whereas in the wrestling akaras, most of the times you'll find a light one and people use that just as a way to do after the practice or as a way to warm up. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the video that went viral was with wrestlers, but we actually made a power drink. So it wasn't even about the, the gadas and stuff. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. wild. Yeah, as well. Yeah, and, and that that got that got me, you know, motivated to come back again. Yeah. <laughs> wow. What, what kind of drink was it? Uh, it's uh, like uh, almond milk. So they have been traditionally making almond milk, where you have to like break the almonds and then put some more ingredients into it, and then eventually squeeze out the juice from the the almonds. It's quite an intensive strength process. I didn't know that. Is that like a uh, a traditional thing that they've been doing for a long time, or is that yeah. more of a yeah, wow. yeah, yeah? Sweet. So now when people are like, "All oh, these modern people drinking fake milk," and I'm gonna be like, "Listen, <laughs> <laughs> culturally, this is how it's been done." <laughs> it's also from India, you know. There are yeah. a lot of things that yeah. There's a lot of things that come from India. A wow. lot of things. And yeah. with the uh, the Akira, the whole are the and yeah. the, the whole are you Vedic. Uh, like health uh, system that's also like very unique and a lot of our magic medical things that we have right now are also well I wouldn't say they're also there's there's a lot based on it but there's definitely a lot of wisdom there that has been used and also has you know there, there are many things many wise things that that were originated in India Whoa. Um, was there anything that you recommend people to read or to watch to, um, to, to, to learn about that? My YouTube videos. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I, I actually didn't watch uh, too much about it. That's a strange thing. Like I've seen some videos about Paul Terrasvokowinski, but there, there, there isn't so much information about it. So that's also why the Indian people are now very interested in it because it's not that big and definitely not big anymore because in India, it's the, the modern gyms are also like they're, they're booming. Mm-hmm. So you, you'll find a lot of like very tight gyms with a lot of weight um, a lot of like equipment, a lot of weights and a very uh, static movements. And so oh. a lot of these Indian people that actually view my, uh, videos right now they they are like whoa 
I didn't notice about my culture. No way. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's, it's a, it's a dying art. No, it's, it's a, it's on the brink of extinction right now because the, nobody's funding them. Uh, young people are losing interest and old people get older and people don't get too old in India. So things, you know, things deteriorate if you don't put any effort into it. And the ones that are still there, you know, they, even the people that, you know, the gym trainers, they have a full-time job because nobody's paying to train there and nobody's paying the trainer. So these people, they train there every morning or they train people every morning and then they go to their full-time job working 12 hours and then the next morning they are there again. Yeah, it's a different thing. That's wild. Yeah. And these, so there's a complete modern, like globally, like modern gym atmosphere that's that's been on the rise in India. And then there's the... Yeah, I, I wouldn't say all is modern. Like uh -huh. it's it's still pretty old. Like it's, it's, it's it, most of it looks like our gyms look, you know, in the 1990s maybe. So, and I wouldn't say that is all gyms, you know, I know in Mumbai and Delhi, there's a lot of, you know, high tech uh, gyms. They are there. But, you know, there's still a lot of, um, I, at least I have seen a lot of cheaper, uh, you know, more raw gyms. And uh, most of them don't know about the, well, most of them. I wouldn't say, I I wouldn't say that. I, that. That is, like, some people also say that they, they, that the videos remind them of their childhood because they, they have learned it when they were young, but now have totally forgotten it. Oh, it's like a pop so, culture, more or less, right? Like the popular yeah. culture is is changed to this, to to this other. It's like thing. it's like it's like we were going to Boy Scouts when we were younger, mm -hmm. uh, maybe. I I didn't go, but um, and and now that is becoming less popular. Maybe it could be. It's just something that I I think of right now, but it could be a little bit of the same thing that it was it was. Uh, normal for Indian people, at least for the boys, to go to these akaras when they were young to learn about phys physical um, adaptation about their body. Mm -hmm. I um, I get the concern about that about that here sometime within our own culture because I find that you're um, what I was talking about with this kind of what I was talking about with the physical education is mm. like, I feel like there's some things that are lost within, not necessarily our culture, but with who I am as a person and like what my like life is from the big perspective. Cause it's oftentimes mm. it's growing up, like we got to work and we got to take, you know, you got to take care of your responsibilities for your family, put a roof over your head, eat some food, mm. get a good job. And that's it. And like in this like modern industrialized, you know, culture and there's things that um i felt like i was numbing myself with different drugs and sensations but um i found different ways in my life to have practices to fulfill those sides without needing to f take drugs or um or consume things to feel sensation i can mm. go out and practice these you know physical creative and spiritual things um and they fulfill me in a way that when i talk to my mom she discovers those things 
but still doesn't understand. She's like, why would you run 50 miles? Why would you go and climb? That's weird. Mm. And we go to like a, um, a trampoline park. I don't know if you guys have those, like, you know, you pay for an hour and there's a big, big warehouse and they have trampolines everywhere. Um, there, there must be some here, but I, I've, I've never seen it. So kids love to go there. It's like the best thing ever, but you go there and 80% of the adults are sitting down, you know, um, drinking, drinking like some soda, eating some food, hmm. hanging out, waiting for the kids to be done. You know, maybe they go there for a party. Um, hmm. My friend and I, we, you know, we're, we love to do martial arts. We love to play and stuff. We go out there and the thing we want to do is aerials. Like uh, we want to work on our backflips or front flips and stuff like that. But you know what all the yeah. kids do? They like, they cling around us and they want to do it too. And they're like, how do you do mm. backflips? How do you do twists and all these other things? And they're very, very engaged. And I see mm. that there's this thing when I was a kid, my mom would do adult things and I would play. Um, mm. And now as an adult, I play, you know, with and without kids, but play is a big part of my life. And I feel like I'm rediscovering that as a person in my own community and culture. Um, mm. And I'm rediscovering the value of that too, to my, to my, to my own self, because it gives me meaning it's, and purpose. Yeah. It's easy to forget once you grow up because then responsibility and duty becomes more important. So uh, play goes out the window for a second. Um, but it's good to re get, you know, you can say, you can stay um, attached to um, sorry I lost my track because my ear earbuds okay. went off oh yeah, yeah I cannot hear you right now one second Let's see. Can I hear you right now? Uh, hey, yeah. buddy. Yeah, Sweet. Yeah. <laughs> right. Sorry about that. You're fine. Um, and microphone. Okay. So where um, where was I? Uh, rediscovering play and responsibility. Um, yeah. So what 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 happens is that. The moment you grow up, um, you become older, you you kind of lose the sense of play, right? It becomes more important to to develop the intellect, to think about things, to to learn things and to apply things. And those things become very important. But there's always this, you know, it's still there in us to play. It's still still there but it has to be you know you have to you know you have to be given the idea from someone otherwise you will not pick it up again because it's easy to forget it's really easy to forget and that's why i think what you're doing is really beautiful man is thanks in the um a few closing questions just about the akras um it's so what is an akra it's actually akhara Akara? Yeah, it's, it's Akara. very difficult. <laughs> that is. Akara. Akara. 
not really an R. It's not really a D. It's in between-ish. Akara. 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 Yeah. Yeah, that's better. Yeah. That's better. <laughs> <laughs> What's question about the Akaras? <laughs> uh, what are the Akaras? Like, what, are they no, no, just a gym or? No, no. There are um, a way to... It's like a, it's all religious. So it's like a temple where they train for wrestling. Mm -hmm. So there's always a Lord Hanuman is the Lord of strength. So you always see uh, Hanuman in the Akhara. And then you have to say prayer. You have to put off your shoes when you enter. And then there's a sand pit where the people wrestle. And there are the materials where they train to become stronger for wrestling around that. What kind of materials do they generally use for training? The jewelries, the, they have like these stones where they do push-ups on. So they do dance, they do baitaks, so squats and, and push-ups. It's kind of like a burpee mm -hmm. where the burpee is, is based upon. Like they are doing that... Um, move where they they move inside and then press out yeah. very quick conditioning move where they use the press as well and then they have the kada and they have now which is a thing you have to press stone you have to press from behind and up then there's the garna which you have to, it's like a big stone ring around your neck where you can just walk with which is a great neck strengthener oh it is it strengthen it actually uh, yeah it's pulling your head down so you have to pull your head up oh oh <laughs> yeah, that's cool i was cool. wondering about that because i just didn't know if it like put all the weight on your shoulders but for your oh, neck it's, like it's, it's sitting like this so it's pulling your head down and you have to that's it's like, crazy it's like it's like a front squat but then the front squat is pulling you not only your body forward your upper body it's also pulling your head forward. That's what I wonder because in, in jujitsu, people always talk about the compressed discs and stuff like that and getting like snapped down. And I just mm. wondered because I'd always hear, oh, it's just bad for you and the, fragil the whole fragility thing, you know. And mm. we can't, I'm not saying we couldn't get injured. I was just always curious, well, you know, how do people historically train to, <laughs> to work on yes. their neck, you know, because now we have these really crazy, like this gadget where it has like the gyro or the, you put it on your head and attach it to the door or whatever, and then you can move your head around. And I'm like, how did they repeat that? How would they have done that? But that, that seems cool. I want to get one of those. <laughs> yeah, I want to get one of those here as well, but it's very, you know, they're very heavy and they're, yeah. <laughs> you have to put them somewhere. So ideally I would, I would, in the future, I would have a gym where I can just put all the equipment there. You know, but uh, all the stones and the sand and the, it will be very cool. But yeah, the, those are the, the, that's so interesting. They, they have been doing that for thousands of years to get stronger for wrestling. Like the modern gyms are, they're so new. Even the concept of training your body just for training the body is so new, mm -hmm. right? Training the body for a specific purpose. So for example, getting stronger as a wrestler, that has been the the rule for the last thousands of years in physical training whoa so it's from the perspective of i want to improve myself for this you know for wrestling yeah yeah that's what also why the traditional wrestlers in india don't look like bodybuilders they don't look like these v-shaped uh, power lifters uh -huh. they're very strong but they don't have that um because those those tools that they use don't they don't make the body look like that 
Whoa. And that, that, see, that's, that's the part that I found was odd. Cause that's what I brushed up against as I got into fitness. Cause it's like, not, I want to look good, but longevity and health. And then I realized that it's way more, it can become more than that to me, mm-hmm. but to know that that's perhaps more of like a modern introduction, you know, a modern way of being, um, is interesting because you say that, um, culturally, or at least within youth, people are really moving towards that way with like the, the, the interest in like improving yourself to improve yourself. Cause they're, if they're building gyms in India, like the new ones, you know, or like the ones that look like our gyms in the nineties, um, there's an interest there. And I see that in this country in like the United States is that more people are getting into, um, like bodybuilding and fitness and stuff. Yeah, well, in the West, it's funny. It's also shifting a little bit, right? The kettlebell is becoming much more popular. So free weights are becoming much more popular. Just India is just behind on that, right? Mm -hmm. So in India, there are lots, there are new fashionable gyms opening as we speak um, that have more free space, that have more uh, knowledge about these different objects like we do. Mm -hmm. So it's happening. That's cool. It's coming, you know. It's because just, eventually you will find out that it, it is not the way to be, you know, to have superior health. That's what I found is interesting. It seems like culturally and then globally that we're coming into this own idea and all of us at different rates, you know, and because we had this whole like, you know, like Western culture had that whole thing going with the bodybuilding and all that other stuff is that our other um, cultural neighbors can can learn from those shortcomings, you know, and then also we can learn from our cultural neighbors about their history and we can all move together towards this, like this evolution, because I see that you're right. And here in, you know, like Western in America, it went from like just sheer strength to getting into mobility and movement and rotational strength um, and stuff like that. Um, And so in closing, um, how was the wrestling? (laughs) <laughs> tough man that's the i think that's one of the most difficult tough sports toughest sports that they're that they're out there wow really yeah yeah that's cool and do, do, they had I, a i haven't done it that much no like, I, i've no i've it's, it's always been a way for me to um i was always pursuing the the materials so the gadas and the juries mm-hmm. and uh because i don't really have that much uh, experience into in wrestling so it was very very tough but I, I did learn a few things and I got a little bit better this year as I tried it again I, I noticed it's a little bit less afraid and but still I'm I'm at a point where a small boy can still throw me around even though I'm <laughs> yeah it's it's just I, I noticed that it doesn't really work if you use your strength so you have to use technique just like with the mace if you're trying to use your strength you you won't be able to handle a four kilogram mace, but if you start to use technique and skill, you'll be able to, to, to lift a very heavy mace. (laughs) It's the same thing with wrestling. It's the same thing with climbing. It's the same thing. Skill, skill is, you know, Mm -hmm. something we have forgotten in the whole bodybuilding uh, scene is that skill, skill is, is primary. And I think that feeds to a bigger, to a bigger um, philosophy um, which, which is, you know, in jujitsu, I would try to win 
by um, by being really strong and really fast and trying really hard. And it's like, mm-hmm. I'm working really hard, so I must be doing really good. And I would have, <laughs> yep. And I would have people who were like doing this for 10 years. Okay, I have a, a hundred and, I don't know, 40 pound woman who's in her fifties and is super technical. And, you know, I'm bigger than her and I could try really fucking hard. And the harder I try, the easier she wins. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And that's like in every time, um, like I would grapple with her and I would be going furious and just in my own head and putting all this effort in. And she just is laughing and enjoying herself and just wins and wins and wins and wins and wins. And, wins. and yep. I like for me in, in life with a, the best ego defeater. It is. And that's what like I could and in life. I could like tell you, I don't have an ego, man. I'm trying real hard, but then <laughs> we go and then we do jujitsu and it's like, Oh, like yeah. this no, is- we, we all, we all have an ego and it, it will never go away. It's necessary. Mm-hmm. But, for- but better to, to deal with it in play with friends and with yourself, with tools, you know? Yep. And, um, and I think it's uh, the consequence too is, even if you don't manage it well, you'll get uh, you'll get stronger, more mobile, and you might laugh with someone while they beat you a bunch. <laughs> uh, exactly. And you can actually learn. Yeah. Is um, is there anyone that in in India as like a maybe someone who makes like makes YouTube videos or different kinds of content um, that you really hit it off with? In India, you mean? Yeah, in India. Mm. I saw your video with the prince, which was right. That one looked yeah. really interesting. He's not really a YouTuber. He's not really a YouTuber, but oh, he, has, he has a pretty. He's pretty active on Instagram, so he's quite a big. Uh, yeah, he's he's a. Yeah, that that is that is I think the biggest. Well, biggest. It's just it's it's been a it's been a cool collaboration to just be there and you know. And and it was also through Instagram. He actually saw one of my videos and he messaged me like, oh, you're welcome at my palace. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, because he's very into the traditional training too. So that's cool. That was, yeah. Oh, he has a palace, huh? Oh, <laughs> that's... Uh, yeah, he's, he's a, his father is king of the state. Yeah. What, what was it like to be able to uh, witness and be ingratiated in, um, in a culture that's different from yours? So you mean specifically with the prince or just in general? Just in general. Yeah, that is the main thing what keeps me coming back to India. It's uh, so different. It's every time I, I'm confronted again with how different it is and just in the strangest things like planning is so different <laughs> like, oh, we meet at one and they come in at two thirty, and you're you're like you've eaten yourself up like we're <laughs> waiting here for one and a half hours and they're like yeah and they don't even say you know sorry or they don't even say well, they're yeah. like oh yeah, oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> and you, you gotta have to battle that out on your own you know there's no wow. there's no like uh, so sometimes I have felt, you know, you, you do feel a little lonely when you have these, you know, these moments in your own where you're kind of like eating yourself up from from something or you're like you have trouble with traveling. You have trouble with the train and nobody understands you. Nobody doesn't you know, they don't oh, get yeah. you. When, 
they don't understand your feelings. Sometimes mm -hmm. that happens a lot because you cannot really communicate them. Yeah. So then you kind of feel like, ah, uh, I feel alone right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that, that happens, you know, it's quite tough traveling through India, especially on a bike. But, uh, yeah, it's been, uh, it's been amazing. And yeah, the, the ups, the ups go very, very beyond any lows that I've gotten. And the whole process is of course the thing that shapes you. And I think the most I got out of the negative stuff as well, like the bike stories is a, no, it's, you could say it's a disaster, but it's, you know, it, <laughs> it helped me a lot, you know, it helped me go through the difficult things that, that were, would be much more catastrophic if they would happen here. Yeah. So in, in that sense, you learn a lot about life. That's interesting. Did you, did you get to have, um, did you get to spend some one-on-one -on -one time with, with people over there? Um, and like in conversation and in community. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've, I've got a few good friends there that I visit. I visited every time. So, Oh, really? You've been able to develop friendships so that you can return. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. It feels like I have a few places that I'm actually feeling home there. Oh, wow. I can that, just go there and. That must yeah. feel really special to you. Hmm? That must feel really special to you. Yeah, it is. That's very cool, thankful. Um, and then, okay, one last one, I promise. Uh, when you are there and you are feeling those like, you know, alone or, or uncomfortable or like longing for home, maybe, is there anything that you do to help cope or to cheer yourself up? Yeah, I sometimes call with people from, you know, if I, if I don't feel like if some if they don't get me or if i'm like too much in stress and i cannot cope with it myself through meditation or through you know self-awareness or through listening to something that you know helps me figure it out then i call someone that i know from here mm -hmm. or just a friend you know and you can you can kind of my girlfriend was with me when i was in india so she kind of understands the whole you know she, she has met most of my friends there so Aww. it's uh it, she always understands, you know, what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> Even good. though she says like, she, she's like, oh, you went, yeah, you went there yourself. You knew this was coming up. Like, <laughs> 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 oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. That's sweet though, man. <laughs> yeah. Even the honesty too, that's the best part. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. No, it's, 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 you know, you, when you see the videos, it's like, there's, there's a whole process behind it. Just like when you see this video, there's a whole life that it's happening around me as my life, as your life. Mm -hmm. And you don't get to see it in the moment you see this or you listen to this, but it's happening, you know, and even if I'm there, you know, I have, I have lots of experiences that will never be uh, shown or never be mm -hmm. uh, put into video, but you know, there are lots of them. Yeah. And if anyone really wants to know all of those, they could probably go and try to have a similar experience themselves, see what they find. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, Harbor. Um, is there anywhere that people could learn more about you? Check out your videos. Yeah. If you look for the flowing Dutchman, you'll probably find it. I have my website, functionalharbies.com, but it's referred to on my Instagram, YouTube. That's where people can find online courses for the mace. 
I've got a new one coming up, which Ooh, is very, very cool. That's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a long process. Those things are like very long processes. Dude, I bet. And there's really well put together too. Like you can tell you put a lot of thought into them. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like writing a book. Wow. Is this your, this is something that I didn't ask. Is this your full-time um, gig is teaching, teaching, um, teaching Mace flows? It's no, I also work at the gym where I talk to you about. Oh so yeah. The, uh, Rockstar lifestyle here in Amsterdam. Uh, so I teach group classes there and I have basically a, a group of colleagues there that, that we keep ourselves, you know, um, educated and like-minded people that, you know, also have their own businesses. So, um, it's a really, really fun uh, experience for me to train in these different levels. They do a lot of kettlebells. So I, I also train a a lot of people, coach a lot of people with kettlebells and it, it just, it's, it's not only developing me in very specific movement. It's also like uh, making me a larger, I wouldn't say larger. Um, <laughs> I'm bigger now. <laughs> no, it's because it make, makes me a more wholesome coach, you know, yeah. because I, I get to train so many people. There's just a lot of training hours. Yeah, so that's good. That's beautiful. So, and it's beautiful that yeah. you get to, you know, focus on training as your professional, um, as your professional career. Cause you, I could tell, man, you really love it. You know, and <laughs> it's just, it's genuinely you. And I, that's a beautiful thing. And um, I'll be sure to leave all the links to your videos and stuff in the show notes. And I'll even put up a video um, from your YouTube on the website. And cool, thanks for taking the time, Harbert. You got it, man. Yeah. I can't wait to take one of your online classes. Thanks. Buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it, Will. Yeah. Woo! Thank you guys for listening to this episode of the podcast. Um, Maces have been wonderful for me. As someone who sits, you know, on a computer for a long period of time, getting to put my arms up above my head and behind my back and twist them all around. It helps uh, counteract all the other stuff I do in my daily life. And you know, it's fun. As a kid who would just sit there and spin the broom broom around in my hands, thinking I was doing something from like Star Wars, um, I get to reconnect with that playful side. Harbor is a kind and adventurous man, and getting to hear his perspective and experiences in India, um, being a personal trainer, specializing in and working with the maces it's really great I'm excited to play more with my mace and improve my abilities and what's more is I can't wait to check out his documentaries on India it's a beautiful culture and what better way to connect with a culture through play You can check out um, Harbor at the links you mentioned, and I also have the links to his website, YouTube, and Instagram on the show notes and on the website, becominghumanpodcast.com. Be sure to check out Blabbermouth and watch his documentary. And if you like this documentary, you know, share it with us on uh, Instagram or 
your social media, shoot me a message or an email. I'd love to hear about it. Indian culture is cool to learn about, like many other cultures, you know? It's um, exciting, I suppose. I'm going to play you out with the rest of the song by Blabbermouth, The Flowing Dutchman. Have a great yeah. What? The flowing Dutchman, yeah, the flowing Dutchman. I'm Mr. Baby Man, I be the flowing Dutchman. Yeah, shuffle on the production. Like this, yeah, like this, yeah. The flowing Dutchman, yeah, the flowing Dutchman. I'm Mr. Baby Man, I keep your hair bumping. And now the shuffle is the up the production. Pass on like the gun and the dragon at the dungeon. And yes, step aside and let me do my duty. While you wrestle your fuck, I keep my axles running smoothly. It's yours, good at a second engine, quick to flip a bit of a form of limit like an Uzi. I get up in that booty, cause the flows are composed and sold up. They both those who suppose and not supposed to supposed to be so dope. As I vote with this hella dope, why? Cause I'm telling you so, my shit's worldwide. And then I mention this hella dope, most definitely professional. We got three dimensional space and time. When I rhyme, it's the finest spiritual world. My rhymes combine knowledge for the mind. But having a good time, giving you both. That's what hip hop is all about, no matter the color of your skin. We do this from the heart, this is coming from within. The end is all me. Sound cliche, but I'ma show you what it means as soon as the beat. Rains out, get on Shane's lot We'll let the lie and out the game Sort of like Dr. Banner when he gets in range So yo, come on, come on, come on Like all black hands in the sky If you're down with the skills like Come on, come on, come on It's hot, the flowing Dutchman He looking off the back side So here I am with some new bangers for ya The verse I spit comes like a whirlwind To blow the trash out the water Rappers better go selling ass on the corner That whack shit, crazy gonna last much longer I'ma impale your armor, German drama Like the Godfather, hit them stronger, faster, harder Not talking about world starving But hitting them with the music, that's how I do it Turns out I reach a lot of people when I stepped in the booth And wrap my guts out, so I continue to Back in the days they asked me how you're gonna make your living do Don't you need a real job, how can this support ya? Get a steady income, save up for the future So I put in work and mess with everything in my craft When the album started coming out, it all went fast Now, find me on tour, having a blast I ain't a rich man but cash, but a rich man nevertheless Cause I'm blessed with my talent and friends like these Much love to my girl, we together for 10 years Much love to all the people who let me their ears You give me the motivation to keep going when the struggle was real Kept going, I did, here we are, never faded I'ma take this rap shit as far as I can take it, yeah The flowing Dutchman, yeah, the flowing Dutchman I miss the baby man, I keep your hair pumping And now the truffle is me up with the production Fast, I'm like the color the dragon at the dungeon But I'm the flowing Dutchman, yeah, the flowing Dutchman I miss the baby man, I keep your hair pumping And now the truffle is me up with the production Fast, I'm like it, I, and I You're my big and I realize them Whoa, when my pen starts braiding Blah, my man, boss, they big, say you're like king I just keep on visualizing Watch this, let yeah. me take it, let me run yeah. That bike, the hype, them be live Them will do what I do when I know many tries But feel on the spot, I'm on them, can't stop Listen up, what I was in the cream of the crop Crews get my stop, washed up your career Yeah, already see you with the nicest in here When some boy claims attention Bully says I cut out a dragon at the dungeon Hey, yeah, see yo, come on Dutchman, he up the production. 